Welcome back, Hoops fans, for in another episode of the Why Not Us podcast. My name is Adam Glick. I'm here, as always, with Josh Spade. It's been a while, but we're back. We're in the nitty-gritty right now of February. Josh, how are we feeling? We're only a few weeks away from conference tournaments. Adam, you said it right before we started the show. Ten AP Top 25 teams have lost in the three-day span of February 7th, 8th, and today of February 9th. This is the best time at least of the regular season because we're seeing teams that have to win down the stretch they're going out they're beating teams that have been incredible all year we're asking ourselves who's on the bubble but we're asking ourselves who's actually good because there's so many surprising outcomes to games that we just could never have seen coming this is the make or break time of year right before march the buildup that we all need and that we all want and we have it it's delightful. I, you said it. I mean, this is what makes the sport so incredible. I don't know who's other. I think right now it's maybe Gonzaga and the rest of the pack. I mean, we'll maybe get into it a little bit when we talk about some of the losses this week from the AP top 25, but it's February. It's getting down the stretch. Resumes are tight. Bubble is a ton of teams on it. And it's when you're down the stretch in a close game, some teams are not prevailing and they're getting hurt. We'll talk about that as well, especially in the mid-major category, which is not good. But first, we got to talk about a team that's been trending up and it's been great. You and I were both at this game, probably one of the best college basketball games that we've been to in our, in our lives, honestly. It was an incredible environment. Texas and Kansas last Monday. Kansas coming into the game ranked number seven in the Irwin Center. And they were down 76-72 with a minute to go. And then all chaos, Trey Mitchell banks in a three. Are you kidding me? And then, obviously, Timmy Allen hits the go-ahead go mid-range jumper for the Longhorns. Josh, I mean, Longhorns have won, I think, five of the last six, something like that. They're really trending up. They're now in the top of the Big 12 at seven and four with a bunch of different teams, 18-6 overall, 79-76 winners against Kansas. What do you see with this team? How confident are you? So this team is really interesting. I actually want to start a couple days prior, the other game that you and I were both at on Saturday, in which we faced a, you know, gritty Iowa State team that had been struggling in the Big 12. We knew it was going to be a defensive battle. Beat them by 22. We thought that it was crazy that Texas was almost a double-digit favorite in that game. They went out and played unbelievable defense. They held Iowa state to the least number of points that they've had in 60 years. And the reason why I mentioned this before I talk about Kansas is because this Texas team has one of the top defenses in the country right now. The offense needs work. I said it myself and I will admit that I was wrong in this instance that I thought that Kansas would be the kind of team that we would really struggle against because Kansas they don't care about defense. They have an unbelievable offense. They have Oche Agbaji. They have incredibly capable scorers in Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, and David McCormick. And they just run teams off the floor left and right. We saw that against Baylor not that long ago. So for Texas to go into this game, I figured that they had to stop them. They had to play their slow game. And if they did that, they would win. But instead, it's just an offensive slugfest. Everybody's making shots, and Timmy Allen just decides to hit every mid-range on one foot or half a foot, or just falling completely backwards from everywhere on the floor. It's all going in. We're hitting free throws. Trey Mitchell makes that bank three. It's like a no, 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 yes kind of moment, and an incredible, incredible experience. Like, I don't – we could talk about the future of this team – and what we think with them, they still have a lot of tough games coming out down the stretch. But they just had a bunch of home games against ranked teams, and they won all of them. Yeah. That's really impressive. You you have to do that in February. That is how you build a resume. You build up those quad one wins when you can, which is against really good teams at home. That's the best opportunity you have. So I'm very impressed with this team. I love that game. My personal last game in the Frank Irwin Center before we moved to the Moody Center, gave it a nice kiss on the floor after we <laughs> stormed the court. I found out today that Texas got fined because we stormed the court. Yeah, I think $25,000. Just take it out of the tuition that I paid them a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Totally fine. So worth it. <laughs> what a game. 
Yeah. And listen, a couple things that really stood out to me in this game. We took 19 more shots, 67 to 48, which is incredible. We talked about the rebounding struggles that we were worried about going into the season. They out Texas out rebounded them by two 33, 31. They got every 50, 50 ball. The effort was obviously there. They got to the free throw line. They made all their free throws for the most part. And then also the turnover battle in these type of close games where teams evenly matched top 25 matchups. You gotta win the turnover margin. Kansas turned it over 15 times and we turned it over six times. Marcus Carr turned it over zero times. That's a key guard play. Do not turn the ball over. Ramey also shut down Abaji on the defensive end. Listen, this Texas team, if they can defend and they can actually hold their own on the boards, they can beat anyone in the country. The thing that's going to hold them back, and when they're not going to win it all, I'm going to say that, but when they lose in the tournament, it's going to be because they can't shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. That is their one thing that they can't do, and I don't see them doing for the rest of the season. Three of 20 from the three-point line. That is embarrassing. <laughs> but guess what? They're a good enough team where they can do that and still win in other ways. And that's why I think they can go far. They just can't win at all because I don't trust the shooters that they have on the floor in Ramey, Carr, uh, Jones, Febris as well. But as a Texas fan, you got to be super impressed. Let's see how they do on Saturday against Baylor. It's going to be a dogfight of a game. Baylor looked pretty good tonight, I have to say, against Kansas State on the road. But Josh, you said it. I mean, what an amazing game to go to. We were just beyond blessed. That was only my second time ever uh, storming the court. It's the best experience in the world. There's nothing that you can beat that with. No, absolutely not. I don't care about the fines. I mean, we were monitoring the Kansas shooting and the Texas three-point shooting throughout the game. Kansas shot almost 60% from the field. That's just mind-boggling that we win that game. And the first three that we hit in that game was after missing the first 10 in the first half. Marcus Carr, in back-to-back games, just pulls up from a ridiculous angle at the elbow of three and drills it right before the half. The momentum that we needed in both games. Yeah, for sure. Very impressive. And, and we're getting our quad one quad one wins. It's going to really help our seed come selection Sunday. That's our fourth quad one win. I think we're looking at, at the moment, I mean, it's still a lot of basketball to be played, but we're looking in the four seed range. I think we can even sneak up to the two seed. Something to keep in mind. The by two the way. seed. If we, if we, that's maybe stretching it a little bit, but oh. Three or four seats, similar to last year. Something to keep in mind, which you, we have to pay attention to, and we will, is a week from Saturday, they do the top 16 reveal on CBS, which they do every year. Very interesting. We continue to play well. Hopefully we'll be in that. We have two games before that in Baylor and Oklahoma, both on the road. So if we go one and one, be very interesting to see if we fall in that top 16 range. Something to and keep we have on. Tech at home. On Yeah, but it will come out before or during the game, I guess. But anyway, any quick thoughts? We'll get to the, we got to get to the top 25 shakeup here, but any quick thoughts on the Baylor Texas game? What are you expecting going into Waco? Yeah. I mean, I'll just say this about Baylor because we've only been talking about Texas. Yeah. I understand this game's in Waco. Baylor, who started the season looking like they were the exact same team minus all of their stars to start the year, has since come back to earth. They had those two losses to Tech and Oklahoma State last month. Then they lost to Alabama. And then they lost to Kansas by 24. So, I mean, this team is beatable. They've got some good scorers. They play solid defense. That's fine. But it's not the same team as last year who beat us. I think that we have a a real chance to go to Waco and put up a fight. I'm not going to say we're going to win the game. But if we keep playing the electric defense that we have and force those turnovers. Like you said, we could beat anybody in the country. Let's see how the shooting looks though. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to the big men down low and Trey Mitchell, Timmy Allen versus if I can pronounce his name, right. Jonathan Chachawa, Chachua, whatever you say, he looked incredible in like 21.6 boards on nine of 10 from the floor. And he nine came off the bench. Oh my God. I know he's going to be a problem down low. Like McCormick was, uh, we will see, I don't expect us to win, but I think we easily could pull it off. I would give it like a 30, 35% chance going into Waco. We'll be interested to see what the spread is, but 
We got to get to the top 25 shakeup. 10 AP top 25 teams have lost. Yeah, not in the last month, not in the last week, in the last three days. Is that possible in any other sport? No. In this sport, it is. Best sport in the world. Ten teams, Duke to Virginia, Kansas to Texas, Houston tonight to SMU, Tech tonight to Oklahoma, Ohio State, absolute choke job tonight against Rutgers, Xavier at Seton Hall, Auburn, number one team in the country, thanks for coming, at Arkansas. Of these top 25 losses from these teams, who do you think can maybe get an early exit and an early surprise come March? Who are you most concerned about, as I should say? I mean, I think taking Xavier would be a pretty easy one, so I won't start there. Look, I think that Ohio State, as much as, you know, I grew up a big fan, this team is concerning. You know, their record and the number of losses they have – not representative. Okay. This is a team that almost lost their opener at the beginning of the year to Akron. To Akron. They was a fine team. Sure. Yeah. But they, they just can't, they're not a strong team. They can't go and win road games. They, they just don't, they don't do it. They drop games like this all the time. They had a bunch of games that were canceled because of COVID that they're trying to reschedule. But I mean, they lost at Xavier. They lost at Florida. They lost at Indiana. They lost at Wisconsin. They were close against Purdue. And then they lost at Rutgers tonight. Like, sure, when they're at home, they can beat anybody. But they have to go to Ann Arbor on Saturday. We'll preview that game a little later. That would be a huge win for Michigan. And also just would tell me that Ohio State can't do it. And recently they also found out, you know, it doesn't help, but it doesn't hurt. They're just not going to get Seth Towns back for the rest of the year. Like, could have been helpful. But this team is literally only EJ Liddell. He has no supporting cast. Zed Key steps up every once in a while. It's it's an easy pick that, you know, you could say was – a lot less likely last year when they lost as a two seed, but Chris Holtman just does not have it fully together right now. And frankly, I could see him not being the coach of this team next year. Wow. That's a str- especially if they're a first round exit, which honestly, they're going to be a popular upset pick, whoever they play. As like a six or a seven seed, honestly. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to, I think they're going to be a six. So that would be a very nice matchup for an 11 seed. We'll see, but you said it, they don't win away from home and the problem is if they're not aware the tournament is not at home it's you got to travel somewhere so they're going to have some problems and we're going to see this with a lot of teams a lot of teams are really good at home and especially in the sport but do can they win away from home so we're going to see the team that i'm most concerned about that might surprise you a little bit i I know i don't want to like overlook things because they looked really good tonight or all year until tonight houston they have a couple players that are out for the rest of the year. And, you know, that was overlooked until tonight when they finally lost to SMU. The defense for the first time all year did not look good at all. Gave up 85 points. But, listen, Marcus Sasser, their do-it-all guard, he's out for the year. You also have Traymond Mark, the freshman, who was averaging 10-plus a game. He's out for the year. You have two guards that are out for the year. How are you expected to win in March when your two best guards are not playing? And so they're similar to Texas in a way where they're great defensive team, especially on the boards. But if they play a team that can score, they're going to have a lot of problems. I think they're going to be an early, they're going to, they're not going to make the second week, second weekend. They're going to be out in the round of 32. They're going to be a popular three seed that gets upset by either a six or an 11, in my opinion. Any other teams, Josh, that lost in the last three days that you're concerned about? Let's talk about the Duke Blue Devils because this was a interesting really interesting team. one. They're like a roulette wheel. Yeah, and you know we've talked about the ACC, and we can go into that a little bit right now. This conference is disgustingly weak. Like oh. I am not satisfied with another team in this conference. Like sure, Notre Dame's right there. Wake Forest has a good record. Both of those teams, if they keep winning games, should make the tournament. But Outside of them, like North Carolina doesn't have a single quality win and got absolutely wiped on Saturday. But then Virginia, who's been terrible this year, comes to town 
comes to Durham and wins the game mm-hmm. on a three with very, very little time left. Why were they winning the game for most of the time? I have no idea. Makes no sense to me. Duke is a way better team than them. If Duke wants to just like open the door to the rest of the ACC for the sake of the conference and just like give them some quality wins, sure. Is it going to make me less confident in this team that they could win as Coach K's last year? Probably not. But come on. The ACC is a cakewalk, and you're going to drop games here and there. But don't drop them at home. No. What are you doing? You know what's crazy, Josh, and not a lot of people realize this? When was the last time Duke won the ACC regular season? It's been a while. It has been 11 years. Yeah. Since they, they won the won conference the tournament. Yeah. They've won up a couple of those. But the regular season, 11 years, and this is the weakest it's probably ever been in Coach K's tenure. And still, they're in a dogfight to try to win it this year with a team that Notre Dame, who I saw at the Maui tournament in Las Vegas, that looked just horrible. It's the least athletic team in the country, probably, other than St. Mary's. And then Wake Forest, all of a sudden, they have 20 wins, but I don't think they're going to be any good. ACC is going to get either four or five teams in the dance. How many teams are going to make the round of 32? The answer is going to be one, and it's probably going to be Duke. You I don't think see a single of the... one of these teams could pick up a win? No. I've watched all of them. They're all horrible. Yeah. Notre Dame is not a good team. No, not at all. But, you know, time will tell Duke. They got to figure things out. They've been inconsistent. A lot of teams have been inconsistent this year. But when they play their best basketball, I really think they're the best team in the country. Will they for six games in March? I don't know. We'll have to see. See if John Shire can help rally the boys. Yes, for sure. Great guy. Let's move on. on Real quick. Yeah, we can touch on Auburn. They're interesting team because they're not overly impressive, but they've won a ton of close games, a ton of dogfights. They're really good down the stretch. But then, obviously, the other night against Arkansas, they couldn't pull it off in overtime. They have a lot of athletic guys. Walker Kessler down low is an amazing big man. Uh, Jabari Smith is a top five lottery pick. But there's, I don't know what it is, Josh. Maybe you can elaborate, but – there's something just off where I'm just not fully on board with the Tigers. Once again, it's those road games that yeah. keep being really interesting. It doesn't matter that Georgia was probably 6-15 and 15 when they played them in Athens. They were losing for a lot of that game, and they won by two. It doesn't matter that Missouri is a team that's not going to get close to making the tournament this year and has lost games to really bad teams. They went to Como. And won by a point. And then this time around, they go to Arkansas, who's, you know, a bubble team to, I think at this point, we're fairly confident they'll make the tournament. And they have to go to overtime, and then they lose. Let's just note real quick that uh, Arkansas decided to end the game in a very interesting fashion, in which their player ran the fast break. And it was after time expired, but he finished a dunk off a bounced alley-oop to himself. That is a disrespectful way to say goodbye to the number one team in the country. But you know what? You do it, you deserve it. Let me note something really quickly for you about Auburn going on the road. Mm -hmm. You know who they don't have to play on the road this year? Kentucky. Kentucky. They played them at home. That is a lucky break for them. They were able to win at Alabama, which is obviously a challenge. The only other game that I would say will be – contentious is when they go to Knoxville and they play at Tennessee, but they're playing middle. They probably will win the SEC because they avoid Kentucky on the road. Right. But you know, they, they could go through the rest of their schedule, which is pretty easy with the exception of that Tennessee game. I don't know what they're going to look like when we see them in the SEC tournament. You know, that's a neutral site. You have to play away from home against Mm -hmm. other teams that are, Pretty good in the SEC. When we get to the quarterfinals, semifinals against some of those teams, are they going to be able to stand up against that? Because that's what March really shows. Yeah. And you're going to face like an Alabama or an LSU in the quarterfinals. Like easily could drop that game. These conference tournaments are going to be madness, insane. I'm so excited for it. I, that's the only thing that's on my mind honestly, at the moment. But (laughs) let's move on. We got to get to mid-major talk here. Josh, there's so many different mid-major conferences that we could go to and we could talk about. Which one do you want to discuss first? Let's talk about 
the West Coast Conference. Oh, my. The WCC. Yeah. So we've had some interesting action in WCC, especially last night in which we had two teams. One of them was ranked in St. Mary's. You know, welcome to the AP Top 25. You won't be here next week. And another team that we like a lot, you know, definitely monitoring whether or not they can get a bid, San Francisco Dons playing, you know, the Portland Pilots at home. Lose. Not good. Not good for the resume, but it's probably a quad three loss. Like four. Actually confirmed. Yeah, it's at home. It's confirmed. Oh, my God. See, like, you can't have that. Can't. Like, it is Horrible. very, very hard for the committee to look at your resume and see a quad four loss and say, you know what? Let's give this team an at-large bid. Why don't we? It's going to be really, really tight. The room for error just drastically got smaller for San Francisco. They, a huge game, but all of a sudden, I want to give a little shout out to Santa Clara because how many bids is this conference going to get? Honestly, it's trending towards two at the moment. Gonzaga's a lock. I think St. Mary's will get in at the end of the day. BYU San Francisco, it's going to be really, really close. But a team that I actually like between BYU San Francisco, Santa Clara, where I think maybe they have the best chance at the moment is Santa Clara because Let's look at this non-conference for a second. They beat Stanford, bubble team. They beat TCU, probably a tournament team. They beat Stanford at home, but TCU on a neutral site. Their losses aren't horrible. And what I think the committee needs to do, and I think they will do this, their best player, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's 4-4 four, four and four when he's not in the lineup, and they have a really good record when he is playing, and he's been playing the last, like, a month or so, and they've been pulling off wins left and right. They beat BYU already in the conference. They've now been St. Mary's. They play San Francisco on Saturday. That's a quad. I think it's going to be quad two. San Francisco's really close to the – or it's quad two because they're top 50 in net. But you play Portland, you play LMU, you play Pepperdine, you play Portland again, and you play Gonzaga. You win every game, including Saturday except Gonzaga you're looking at a Santa Clara team that's like 24 and nine with a lot of good wins on the resume. And you maybe beat like a St. Mary's a BYU who knows in the conference tournament. I think Santa Clara gets in at the end of the day, because I don't know if I'll talk about BYU. They're falling off a cliff. They're they had just, a gr- they've said good night to their season. Yeah. They've had a great non-conference. They did everything you ask them to in the first three games, they had wins against, tournament teams last year against Oregon, San Diego state and Cleveland state. They went, they won the Mormon game. They went to Missouri state. Who's a quad two, very close to quad one game. And they beat Utah state. who's a solid team. And then they just kind of fell off in this conference. The last four games, they've lost the buzzer to Santa Clara. They picked up a quad four loss to Pacific. They lost, they got demolished at home by San Francisco and Gonzaga. I don't know what I'm going to make about BYU. They got to win their next two games and then a huge date in Moraga on the 19th against St. Mary's, which could be a do or die game for BYU. But Josh, how many bids before we move on to the next one? Two or three? Because I think four is now probably not realistic. I think the only way that it's three is if St. Mary's gets some good wins down the stretch, including that home game against BYU that you just mentioned. And then if it's going to be down to Santa Clara, San Francisco, and BYU, if you're one of those three teams, you got to pick up big wins, close out the regular season, and make it to the West Coast Finals. Obviously, you don't have to beat Gonzaga there. Get there. If you can pick up a few quality wins over each other of those three, if one of those three teams makes it to the West Coast Finals, I'm willing to believe that the committee will put them in, especially a team like BYU. Yeah, that loss to Pacific is terrible, but they have one of the best non-conference schedules that you can ask for as a mid-major. If they have only nine or 10 losses, I could see the committee putting them in there as well as St. Mary's. And frankly, as bad as they've looked lately, if they can pick it up, I like them more than Santa Clara and San Francisco. Wow. That that conference is just so good. Yeah, On paper, they definitely have the talent to do it. I think Are they a good team? I'm not sure. Not really. I think there's going to be three, and that third team is going to be playing in Dayton, Ohio, in a couple in about a month. 
They will be in the first four. And then you're going to have one team that's going to be a number one seed in the NIT is what I think the conference is going to get. And I'm going to take a stab here. I think that third team is going to be Santa Clara. I think they're going to beat San Francisco on Saturday and they're going to rack up a bunch of wins and then not just lose to Gonzaga. And then they're going to, like you said, I think they at least make the semis, if not the finals. And it's going to be hard for the committee to leave them out with all these wins that they racked up. And if Stanford can win some games and get in the tournament, if TCU can win some games, get in the tournament, it's going to really help their resume. And we'll see. We got moved to the other, another huge mid-major conference that's contending for multiple bids, the Mountain West. We are looking at a possibility of five bids from this conference max. Realistically, yeah, max, th- max, okay. Realistically, three right now, possibly four, easily could be four, but realistically three. Wyoming, Boise State, Colorado State are the realistic three. San Diego State's right on the cut line. And then Utah State has a tiny chance. And then Fresno State is good enough to win the conference tournament to get to five is what I'm saying. But Wyoming, I I want to talk about Wyoming just for a second because what they've done the last week or so has been truly remarkable. They just refuse to lose. Refuse to lose. Every game coming down to the bitter end, they've won. They won an overtime against – well, first we got to talk about the Air Force game, I guess. They win by two at Air Force at the buzzer. They play Colorado State. They win in overtime. They play Boise State. It was a seven-point game, but it was a one-possession game the whole time. They play at Fresno State. They basically hit a buzzer beater again. And then they play Utah State, and they basically hit another buzzer beater in overtime. They win every game. Hunter Maldonado is one of the most underrated guards in the country, and Graham Ike down low has been sensational for Wyoming. They have three losses. They're a pretty solid team, and now they could even win the Mountain West Conference because they beat that Boise State. Can you remind me who their three losses are? Yes. One is Arizona. At Arizona, Stanford uh, in Hawaii, and they also lost to – At Boise. At Boise. The team that they're tied with and they just beat at home. Yeah, so they have no bad losses. No bad – not a single one. Yeah, not a single one. Like Stanford is the worst loss of those three, and they're a power five team, and then some. Yeah, and I know you love Colorado State. I think they're going to get in. They don't have a great. They have a bad loss to UNLV at home, but they're eighteen and three. They just picked up the a Lakers nice win. So good. They're so offensively skilled. David Roddy's a stud. Hit the game winner against my Aztecs. Heartbreaking. Uh, Boise State. You talk about that quad four system, Josh. Mm. Um, they have a quad four loss to yes, Bakersfield earlier in the year, but the committee right now likes them as around that 10 seed range. So I want to get your thoughts. Do you think Wyoming, Boise State, Colorado State get in all three of them? First of all, no, no. You think two of the three, I think Wyoming and Colorado State are right where they need to be. The records are really good. Boise State likes to win conference games. It's a really good decision. You should keep doing that, but they have to play Colorado State twice and San Diego State, as well as Utah State. That's tough. That's that's tough, you know. And I don't know if I believe that Boise State can get an at-large bid if they don't win the conference tournament. They could easily win the conference tournament, but we've seen this before. Boise plays well during the regular season and then loses in, like, the quarterfinals. Yeah. So I think that's probably what's going to happen here. If you want to talk about the other two teams, your Aztecs, they're a great defensive group. They've had some tough losses, great non-conference schedule, you know, no incredible wins. I mean, St. Mary's and Colorado State, those are definitely good wins to have. But down the stretch, you're going to have to play at Boise, at Fresno, and at Wyoming, and at Nevada. I don't think they're going to get in. I, I wow. Wow. I, I'm sorry. They don't have a secondary score. Matt Bradley is the only person on this team that can put the ball in the net. No one scores over eight points other than him on the Aztecs in a basketball game. It's infuriating. They played Boise State earlier this year and lost 42 to 37. They also played USC where they scored like how many points was it? They scored 43 and that was generous. They went 20 minutes with like two points. It was incredible, but 
it's frustrating because they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. However, I just want to point out they lost a heartbreaker last night to Wyoming, but I really think Utah State can win the Mountain West Tournament. I really think they can pull it off. They've done it before against my Aztecs on the Sam Merrill buzzer beater, but they play Nevada. They're going to win that game, I think. They go to State and Boise. I think they could pick off both of those, and they play Colorado State at home. Easily could pick off that game. I'm, just, I'm not going to th- – listen, what if they only lose one regular season game in the rest of the year? Can they get in that large? Mm. We'll be close. Their non-conference is – Honestly, it's it's solid. They beat it's Oklahoma and New Mexico State. They have some good losses. They lost at Air Force, which is not good. But yeah. otherwise, all of their losses are pretty quality. Yeah, and they've been – all these losses, I mean, they just cannot win the close games. They've been right there. Mm-hmm. They just cannot and you're expecting them to turn that around in March? In March, I think they're going to do it. They've been. I think they have to make it – to even be in the conversation, they have to make it to the Mountain West Finals and probably go at least five and one in their last six games, and that is a gauntlet. So I don't see them making it unless they win. Yeah, I listen. I don't know. I think Utah State or Fresno State is good enough to win this conference tournament. It's going to be a fantastic conference tournament. Also, keep your eye out on UNLV to win the conference tournament in Las Vegas in their home arena in Thomas and Mac. They have looked quietly really, really good the last four or five games or so. Uh, They went to Colorado State and absolutely blew them to shreds, and they have been playing a lot better as of late. So keep an eye out for that conference tournament. Let's touch on one more mid-major conference before we move on here. The A-10. Davidson is the team to beat right now. They like to make your heart beat really, really fast and save you at the last second. They did so tonight again against St. Joseph's at home. They did so on Saturday at George Washington. They like to not be winning for 35 minutes of the game and then find a way to win at the end of the game. But they are 20-3, and three, just like Wyoming, 10-1 and one in the A-10, the best chance at, at large, probably a 9-10 seed at the moment, according to most bracketologists. Josh, other than Davidson, who's a team that could maybe get in that large or at least win this conference tournament? Because as we've seen, even though Davidson just has that one loss at the moment, I think they're going to pick up a couple more. I think the conference tournament, as it usually is, is wide open this year. Yeah, absolutely wide open. I mean, you can't sleep on St. Bonaventure except for the fact that they've been sleeping lately at the wheel, just dropping games left and right to just about everybody. I think between St. Louis, VCU, Dayton, and Richmond, who are currently two through five, any of those teams are more than capable. But Davidson is just running away with it right now. You know, they have challenging games, but they're closing out. But, you know, they've had an incredible, they've had an incredible season and they just keep winning. They've got a lot of good wins. They don't have any terrible losses. Down the stretch, they have to play not that difficult of teams. They have to go to Dayton. That's probably their only tough remaining game. And then they get into the A-10 schedule. So they've still got St. Louis and St. Louis at home will be a good game, but it's at home, right? Like it's, we'll see. St. Louis is a good team. I think that they could. Listen, St. Joe's was a second away, a shot away tonight from beating them. Right. But did they win? No. Nope. And that's what the guys in March actually care about for putting them in there. I think Davidson is probably three or four wins away in the regular season from locking in that large bid. Their record is just too good, and it would be good for the sake of the A-10 if they did not win the conference tournament. So you could get a two-bid A-10, which they get almost every year. But are there any teams on this list, Adam, that you think are capable of getting an at-large bid besides Davidson right now? I think there's two teams that have a realistic chance. Not likely, but realistic. That is St. Louis and VCU. I think the Bonnies and Dayton, too many losses on the schedule to get in that large at this moment in time. We look at St. Louis, 17 and six. A lot of games that could have gone their way that they would love to have back. They have an ex- acceptable losses. UAB and Belmont, who are tournament aspiration teams. 
They won at Boise State. That's looking like a really good win in overtime. They were very, very close to beating Auburn. If they could have pulled that off, I think they would probably get in, honestly. And they have that big win against Iona, who hopefully they can win the mock, and that would be a tournament win. But in the A-10, they only they have two losses, very acceptable loss at Dayton, and then one not-so-great loss at UMass. But you look at the remaining schedule, I don't think they're going to get in because they're going to pick up some losses down the stretch. They got the Bonnies twice now. They go to Davidson, they go to Richmond, they go to Rhode Island, and then they finish up with VCU. It's too hard of a schedule for me to pull off an at-large. But I think they're more than capable of winning the A-10 tournament, and I think they could easily do it. Look at VCU, 15-7, and non-conference. Home loss to Wagner, which I'm going to talk, talk about slightly next in a few minutes, but uh, not a good loss. Loss to Chattanooga, also not a great loss, but they're looking better. Syracuse win has not looked as good as once promised. And then in the conference, they don't have any bad losses in the conference, but can they, they got to win. They go to George Mason on Saturday. Got to win that. Got to beat Fordham. Got to beat Richmond. It's tough. I actually think VCU has the better chance of an at-large compared to St. Louis based on the schedule. If VCU was somehow only able to pick up one more loss, going to the A-10 tournament, which I think is possible given the schedule. I think they would have a decent chance. The metrics are good for VCU, and they have that name kind of recognition that a few mid-majors have that give them a little bit of an edge, like BYU, like a San Diego State. So we'll see. I think Dayton, though, they're not going to get that large, but I just have this feeling they're winning the A-10 tournament. Wow. They are a special group. They, they like really to win are. tournaments. They love to win tournaments. And they also, I mean, they're, they beat Kansas. They beat Miami. They're and good Belmont. enough to beat, and they beat Belmont. They're good enough to beat anyone in this conference. And when they've played the team, I mean, they've beaten VCU already. They went to Davidson once. So they've already beaten the top teams. And they already, and they beat St. They split with St. Louis. So they've beaten every team that they're going to be competing with. So they're more than capable of winning this conference tournament. Um, I don't think they can get that large, given that they have three losses in a row to UMass Lowell, Lipsicum, and Austin P, which um, I think are all quad four. Um, but, yeah, I think there are five teams that could win this conference tournament. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be two bids because I think Davidson will get in that large and they will not win the conference tournament. Like I said, opinion. that would be for the best of the conference. You want to talk about Wagner real quick? Real quick. um, Wagner in North Carolina. If you ask someone, what similarities do they have? (laughs) Either of them do not have a quad one win. Both of them are zero and whatever in the quad one system. Wagner is a very interesting team. They're in the Northeast Conference with Bryant. That's going to be a fun title game, hopefully. They're 16 and 2, 12 and 0 in the conference over, overall, with two losses coming as quad one games. Penn State teetering on the quad one system, but still in the quad one at the moment. And then Seton Hall, obviously a quad one loss on the road. They were not close in either of those games, but doesn't matter. Every other, every other game they've won. So, Josh, <laughs> I don't think it will happen, but I ask you this they lose to Bryant in the conference championship. Do they get in? If they win out, it's going to be really interesting. There is going to be a lot of problems if they don't get in with three losses. That would be historic. They would be probably 24 and three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have to go to Bryant as the regular season finale. I don't think they're going to win that. Mark your calendar for uh, February 26th. They lose that game. You could say goodbye to your at-large chances. Yeah, but it's a cool story for sure. Yeah, it's a story of a team that wins at VCU and otherwise plays nobody out of conference and then just sweeps the conference. Yeah, Is that good enough to make the NCAA tournament? Cincinnati made the uh, Final Four in college football this year. Yeah. Anything's possible. Anything is possible for sure. On the next show, we'll talk about some other mid-major conferences, but the Conference USA Ohio Valley that I wanted to get into, 
most of their games usually happen during the week on Thursday. Today's Wednesday, so we'll save it for next show. They have some at-large aspiration teams as well, but we'll save it for another time. Let's get to, when we wrap it up here, games to look forward to coming up tomorrow and this weekend. We start tomorrow with Purdue at Michigan. And then on Saturday, Ohio State at Michigan. Who do you like in both these games? And can Michigan work their way into the conversation of the NCAA tournament? These are two massive games for Michigan. We've been talking about the fact, I think they're 13 and nine right now. 12 and nine. 12 and nine. They've had a tough year, dropped some tough losses. They're six and five in the conference, hanging in the middle of the Big Ten, which is obviously one of the best conferences in basketball. These are the two biggest home games they will have all year. If they can win one of these games and then go down the stretch and pick up a bunch of good wins in the rest of the regular season, Michigan is back in contention. The Big Ten is a really good conference, top to bottom. If you finish above 500 and make it to probably the semifinals, even if you have 12 losses going into that, you're you're a possible team, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm Purdue or Ohio State, these are both for both these teams, these are trap games. I talk about the fact that Ohio State is teetering on the edge of disaster right now. You have to win that rivalry game. They Get your guys in line, please. And Purdue, don't make a difficult road game when you don't have to be. Michigan has not been playing that well this year, despite the fact that Hunter Dickinson's one of the top players in the country. You lock him down with your incredible big men, take care of business. And you're trying to get a number one seed and win the Big Ten. You're tied with Illinois and Wisconsin. So show up for that game. Beat Michigan. Listen, I don't think Michigan's that good. I really hope they – I don't want them in the tournament. No offense to any Michigan fans. But if they, they got to win one. Otherwise, their season's over. I think, though, they might need to win two. I mean, they have a lot of losses. And if they're 13-10 and 10 going to – after the stretch, they got to go to Iowa. They got to go to Wisconsin. They get Illinois and Michigan State at home. They also still go to Ohio State and they play Iowa again. Like, if they're going to get 13 or so losses, I don't see them getting in because they just don't have that many quality wins on the resume. I'm looking at the Big Ten here so far, what they've done, and they haven't beaten a ranked team in this conference this year. So, obviously, that can change this week, but. I think they're going to need to go on a little bit of a stretch in the non-conference as well. I'm looking at their schedule. They didn't beat any team. They beat no one. They lost to Carolina. They lost to Arizona. They lost to Seton Hall. I mean, I just don't, I don't see it with this Michigan team. And listen, you talk about Ohio state. I think Ohio state, I mean, I don't want to talk about bubble for them, but they could be trending towards that. There's a lot of basketball still to be played, and they're, I'm looking at their schedule. They could lose a lot of these games down the For them, spring. playing basketball is just a danger to begin with. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> easily, if they lose Saturday and then they lose one of these home games to Minnesota or Indiana, and then they go on that little road trip, like it's going to get a little dicey for Ohio State. I don't think they're very good, but we'll see, obviously. Let's talk about, I guess we can mention this because even though it's the mid-majors, the Ohio Valley has a huge week. Monster, monster week. There's three teams that this conference is. Murray State, Moorhead State, and Belmont. Every other team is just there to have fun. And Tennessee Tech was very close to having a lot of fun against Belmont, and they fell apart at the end. Crazy game. Thank God Belmont won, but... Between those three teams, they have a combined conference record, if I do my math correctly, of 23 and three. And all their losses. 33 and three. 33 and three. Obviously, I'm not a math major. 33 and three. And none of those losses are to any of the teams that we're not talking about. They're all to each other. So, what's interesting and fun about this is Moorhead State plays both Belmont and Murray State this week. Moorhead State is that spoiler team that really wants the conference to be a one-bid conference. Belmont and Murray State really need to beat Moorhead State to make sure they can hopefully get two bids, but it's going to be really, really close. Murray State's ranked, by the way, in the top 25, which is phenomenal, but as we've seen for mid-majors this year, 
You don't want to be ranked in the top 25. You lose right when you get in. So I'm very concerned with Murray State losing on Saturday because it's at Moorhead State. Um, but Josh, real quickly, can this – what are you expecting in these two games? I think Moorhead State loses to Belmont and then beats Murray State. Wow. I like that. It's just madness. It's just madness. And Moorhead State, though, does have Belmont's number. They actually – they blew them out earlier this year at home. But is that Belmont going to be tough? Belmont hanging on for last lifeline. Ten-point favorite Belmont tomorrow. Against Moorhead? Uh-huh. Okay, we will be slamming the Eagles of Moorhead State. <laughs> they know like, something. They have yeah, they ten points is so many. That's too many points, and they never beat them. But, yeah, Belmont, they, I don't want to get into it. I do love them, but they got to beat Moorhead State. And Murray State, best chance in the conference of having an at-large. If they could somehow get through this week unscathed, I think they're, you lock them into the NCAA tournament unless they absolutely fell apart in the last few games of the season. They can get through this week because, listen, Tennessee State's going to be a tough game. They're going to be ready to go in that game. It's on television as well. But then the Moorhead State game on the road, it's really hard to win there. But if they can get through it, I think they'll be undefeated. I agree with your take, Josh. Actually, I disagree. I think Moorhead State goes 2-0 and this week. Oh, my God. That'd be madness. I think they, they over do. the conference. Just because they're insane at home, and then they always beat Belmont. I don't know what it is, but they do. And I think if that continues, and it would be horrible for the Ohio Valley. Anyway, well, let's move on to a few more games here. St. Mary's, Gonzaga, Saturday night. This is a horrible matchup for St. Mary's, as it always is, because they're not athletic. I think they're just going to get run out of the building. What do you think? Me too. Gonzaga has been absolutely on fire. They don't drop non-conference games, especially at home. Take Gonzaga with whatever the spread is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, We got a rivalry in the Galen Center. USC and UCLA. USC is one of those teams. I just – I hope for college basketball sake, USC finds a way to keep winning games because they are not good, and I am picking against whoever they play. I don't even care if it's Dixie State in the first round. I am picking against them in the NCAA tournament. So, USC, UCLA, who do you like in this game? UCLA coming off a quad four, quad three-ish loss to Arizona State the other last weekend. Bad week in general for UCLA last week. Losing at Arizona, at Arizona State. They could not get out of that state quick enough yeah um i'm gonna take the bruins because the trojans are probably the weakest 20 and 4 power 5 conference team that i've Maybe. ever seen they scheduled yeah. a non-conference game yesterday against almost home and they won by six what's going on guys is a tune-up game that we scheduled in the middle of non-conference play or in the middle of conference play like yeah. that's come on like wh- what's going on here and in general they dropped two games to stanford they lost at arizona and I just I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in this team. They haven't beaten anybody all year. They have to play UCLA twice and go to Oregon, who they also lost to. I mean, this team has been getting like seven, eight seeds in bracketology because nobody cares that they're twenty and four. They haven't played anybody all year. Like San Diego State's probably their best win. Sorry. Yeah. They, they have no wins, honestly. Like, I'm going to say that. I don't think San Diego State's making the tournament. So, they have no wins against a tournament team. Not a single one. Not a single one. And then the tournament aspiration teams in the Pac-12 of Stanford and Oregon, what's yeah. their combined record against those teams? 0-3. 0-3. Yeah. Like, Unbelievable. It's incredible. But, I mean, the conference is so bad that they're going to have a nice record on Selection Sunday, and they're going to get in. But I don't think they're going to win a game. They'll and be like I an seed, and I will slam the seven. Yeah, I really hope they're the favorite, like a seven or a six seed. I don't know if they're capable of doing that, but I hope so. Um, but, yeah, I like UCLA to win this game as well. Josh, any last games that you like going into this weekend that you're looking at? Texas Baylor, 11 a.m. Yeah. on Saturday. That's kind of a crime, but I will get up and I will watch that. Yeah. It is kind of crime. I want to remind the viewers, 3 o'clock Sunday before the Super Bowl, you're going to be excited. I'm going to be excited. We're all going to be watching. But guess what? At 3 o'clock Central Time, you got two huge games. Northern Iowa, Iowa, Chicago. 
And then you have Colorado State, Boise State. Get ready for some big-time basketball in those games. Bids could be on the line. It's going to be a great weekend of college basketball, as it always is. It's already been absolute madness. Josh, I have a countdown on my phone. I don't know if you if you do as well. We're getting very close to February 28th, March 1st, when conference tournaments tip off, teams start losing. How excited are you? Unbelievably. And, you know, beginning of non the beginning of conference tournaments for the mid-majors obviously is great, especially once we get to that first weekend. But that first week of March, you've got some rivalry games in Power 5 conferences. You've got make or break. The bubble is becoming a smaller and smaller list, and it's just defined as to what teams have to do the rest of the way. Yeah, It's grit. Can you have the will to fight? It's to survive in advance every single night. It's incredible. And, those, and two incredible tournaments going on during those games of the Power Fives, Ohio Valley and Missouri Valley, which will be absolute chaos. I, I mean, the Missouri Valley, you got five teams that could win the whole thing. Arch Madness. Can't wait. Arch Madness. Going to be insane. Josh, before we go, I, I think it's just right. We have to touch on it just a little bit. Teams getting eliminated from conference tournaments. I, I don't, want to, I don't want to go into this too much, but I think that it is just it's just it's disgusting. Like, it's why would the you players. limit a team from performing while they're still in their in your conference? Like, yeah. yes, they're losing, but you have to punish the players for that. Sorry, yes, they're leaving, but you have to punish the players for that. Like, do you see any sense? more? There, we have three right now, three teams that will not be competing. Do you see any more in the next few weeks? Uh, they better not do that to Texas. When they're about to leave. Imagine if they did it in the Ohio, Ohio Valley, Murray State and Belmont, or Lyle Chicago and the Missouri Valley. Here's the only thing I'll say. The teams that they're doing it to, Doesn't not going to not gonna yeah. be participants in any major tournaments in March. So, so it, far, it's, it's not affected. Sad. Yeah, it's fine. But it still sucks for the players. Hopefully, that will just be those three teams. But, yes, enjoy the madness. Enjoy the basketball. Josh, thank you so much as always. We got to start doing these a lot because it's it's getting the nitty-gritty, a lot of stuff to cover. For myself, Adam Glick, thanks so much. Enjoy the hoops. We will see you hopefully the beginning of next week.